Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for listening. Cheers for checking in. Always nice to have you. I hope you've been well. The weather this week is positivity. (laughs) We've got Jane Bowyer coming back to the show. It's been a while since episode 35 when she joined me to talk about women in print um, and taking those first steps into freelancing. And we're going to dig a bit deeper and check in about two and a half years later to see how things have been going. We're going to talk about adapting to freelance work, uh, women in print development since then, and a whole lot more. We've got a lot to get through. Quick thank you to the sponsors. Please go and support these guys because they keep this show free on the regular for all of you lovely listeners. Um, Illustrationweb.com, fantastic illustration and animation agency, supporting, representing a hell of a lot of creative people from animators to gift makers to mural artists to fashion illustrators to lettering specialists. They've got the lot. They've got vast, broad portfolios. Go and have a look at your leisure. Have a look at the animation portfolios, the news section. There are well all-encompassing agency um, and they do a lot of good work for the industry too heartinternet.co.uk uh, regular digital and tech sponsor so these guys do fantastic seo advice social media advice domain names uh, hosting all the good web stuff you need to be efficient as a business who's on the internet these days which i guess the vast majority of us are um, so let's have a look at Jane's work. So Jane's been on fire recently. Um, off the back of Women in Print, she's done some beautiful, wonderful projects since that she's been sharing very effectively recently. So Positivity, as I mentioned at the start of the show, and we're going to get into in this episode, was a wonderful t-shirt design with Everpress, who do like a kind of cool uh, crowdsourcing meets t-shirt design. So you have to get the right amount of sales and then the t-shirt will go into production. Really great platform, so go and have a look at those guys. But it's the way Jane gets uh, her work out there. It's the way that her beliefs come through in her work, the way she balances social media, personal opinion, and sharing the great work that she does. So go and have a look at the way that she uses it. That's the tip for this episode. Association of Illustrators, fantastic organisation, doing a lot of great work in the illustration industry. Some big plans coming up. Uh, I met with Ren, the managing director from the AOI last week, to talk about that, and then maybe coming back to the show to talk about a few big topics that have been doing the rounds at the moment. We'll get into that down the road. But they've just announced the Northern Illustration Prize, uh, which I'm going to think I'm going to have a bash at entering myself, so go and have a look. It's free to enter. Great prizes. Uh, based out of Hartlepool, where the college is up there, so go and have a look. The AOI.com. All the details will be there. And last but very not least... Wellco.co.uk. So these guys do the shiny stuff on your booze, on your greetings cards, on your book covers, and it's wonderful design geekery. So they've been servicing the graphics industry for over 30 years, offering the largest range of hot stamping foils in all sectors, with a wealth of expertise on all types of applications. Our huge range of grades offer immediate solutions. So just go and talk to them. They're wonderful guys. I had Matt on the show a few episodes ago. Go back and listen to it. It seems like a weird thing and we don't know how the foiling works, but actually these guys do an awesome job of walking you through the process on a one-to-one friendly basis. Um, And they've done so many awesome collaborations with designers in recent times. So go and find out what they're up to on their social channels and at foilcode.co.uk. That's enough for the business. Thanks to those guys for supporting the show. So what have you been up to? Who's going to be entering the Northern Illustration Award prize? I can't remember what it's called, but go and have a look. Um... It's a good one. It's always nice to see kind of competitions with integrity springing up. There was an article not too long back by Neil Bennett, who's a friend of mine at Digital Arts. He's a podcast alumni. And he was kind of lashing out, justifiably so in my opinion, at the competitions that thinly veil 
what is actually a grab for intellectual property, a chance to get some free high quality artwork under the pretense that, ooh, we've got an award or we've got a competition and it's bullshit. And he, go, and, go and chase that article up, it's out there if you look on Digital Arts' channels. Um, but this is a good one, this is a great one, and I always champion this in the World Illustration Awards by the AOI because they are, well, it's free for the Northern Illustration Prize, but it's low cost for the World Illustration Awards. You know, nominal fees that are supporting an, uh, an organisation that are supporting us, so I can get behind that. There are a lot of awards out there that I would have loved to have entered over the years. But when you get into three figures, for me, it starts to feel as an independent trader, as a, as a, as a freelancer. Sound like Del Boy. <laughs> it gets ridiculous and you can't justify investing that money in something that there's no guarantee. There's not even a chance of a good comeback in some instances. I mean, yeah, okay, you know, the odds are not in your favour that you win, but at least when you invest into a printed promotion run, for example, you know, it's you've got some control over what the comeback on that is. So for me, when it gets to a certain price point, it's just not worth it. I wonder where you guys stand on that. Let us know, please, at Arrest All Mix on social media. Drop us a little review on iTunes if you get a moment, please. Thank you for checking in all sorts of recent episodes. Rockstar, Sean Ryder from Happy Mondays and Black Grape was a big hit, expectedly so. Filco, like I said, was something for the design geeks and a really, really big episode too. We've got so much coming up. Um, I've been teasing Jane on today's episode for a while, so I hope you enjoy this one. Get that feedback over. We've got some big ones coming up. Um... I hope you enjoyed the episode with Ward Thomas. Surprise episode on International Women's Day on Friday. So a little treat for you all there. Um, Go back and listen if you haven't. Talking about going against the grain, about booking trends, about the perception of UK country music not being as good as the US and how these girls are absolutely killing it. So I thought they'd be a wonderful guest to have on the show. Hope you enjoyed that one. Um, I've prattled on for long enough. I'm going to get you to our conversation with Jane Boyer who is killing it at the moment. She's a lovely lady and she... Is just doing some of the best work out there, so go and check her out, please. And here is our conversation. So I think that I've got quite an illustrative style with design, but I always had it in my head I wanted to be a graphic designer, and so I went and did that at uni when I was eighteen. But I always, I I I was a bit of a computer geek when I was younger, and used to make stuff like on the computer using different like programs like Paint or whatever, and doing like collage stuff. But even when I was at uni, I couldn't get out of that habit of. It has to be an image. Like this, I'm, I'm probably like the worst graphic designer, but I couldn't. You know, when someone's like, just do a purely typographical piece. I was just like, I would just make type look like people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm so literal. Basically, I'm not that intelligent. I'm just like so literal. Just, I just kind of couldn't. I couldn't. I could not be an image. I could not not make images. If that makes sense. Mm. There always had to be some element of illustration or image making involved. Yeah. I really struggled with just doing like the pure, you know, like the sort of geeky type side of graphic design. Yeah. I was like, I get the purpose of it, and I would involve it around, but it would always that would always be the, the afterthought after the main image. It's probably terrible. But I think those times, I, th- I think those times are really indicative, and it was to what, what you're drawn to and what you like to do. Yeah. But to keep it really simple, it's like that's the. St- I always I was talking to someone recently and saying. I'm a big believer in nurture as much as nature in, cre- in terms of creativity. I think every human's creative to a degree. Yeah. It's just our nature. That's what we do. We, you know, we're intelligent enough to, to make things, so that's what we do. But I think if you play against your kind of starter pack almost, the things that, you know, like, like I always say, I'm the, cl- I'm the clumsiest person out there, but I've got a haphazard style in everything I do. Podcasting, I could never be the BBC, but nor should I try yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. Drawing, I could never be a polished, slick kind of vector based. Again, nor should I try to, because I could train for sure, but I would have to 
train a lot harder than someone who's drawn to that style naturally into their character. I'm a big yeah. believer in that, you know. I've heard you talk about that with who did you talk about that with? Who was the guy with Probably the amazing, everyone. The guy with, <laughs> who was the guy with the amazing laugh? Um, oh, CK Golden. Yeah, sorry, I can really. I remember you commenting you loved his laugh. Yeah, he had the best laugh ever. But I think you were talking about that because I think I tweeted because he he was touching upon that thing that it's he was talking about storytelling or something about how he just knows what his strengths are and he just plays to that. Mm-hmm. Rather than trying to be like some like really, is it like a really polished filmmaker? Or, or? He does it all on the mobile, and it, and it's yeah. all very story based and all that about about him his feelings, and it's very personal. But yes, I remember now. I remember you flagging up when he said, um, "Like be about being your own superhero." Yes, that was so your own superpower. Yeah, I thought that was a really good way of describing it. That like thing that you that you know deep down that you are good at and have like a bit of an edge mm-hmm. on people with it, but instead of being like. When he started saying, like, oh, loads of people are afraid of using that, I was thinking, really? And then I was like, oh, I'm totally like that. I do that with illustration all the time. I would never describe myself as an illustrator, really. Oh, I always describe it like designer and illustrator. I would never just say I was an illustrator. Mm-hmm. I always, like, try to, always try to fight doing illustration because I've always seen it as, like, the stupid younger sibling of graphic design. <laughs> like, <it's somewhere, laughs> that's a horrible thing to say, but that's kind of how it's... It, it was always seen as like the sort of the quirky, you know, mm. graphic design was a serious. But it, is present, it still is presented like that. Yeah, I agree. And then I was just like, but I am the weird geeky. <laughs> it's only so long you can you know deny I mean? that for. Yeah. Like I do like drawing things with like daft faces and <laughs> squiggly lines and all that kind of stuff. So why like why deny yourself doing that? Why try and do like a really serious typographic piece yeah. when? you'll just constantly be like second guessing it because you actually don't really mm. know what is good yeah. in that respect or yeah. you do but not you don't have to do it in a good way if that makes sense so did you so when we like, when we talked last you were quite new to freelancing mm. um, yeah. and um, so is that something you've allowed more of now it, it seems that you illustrate quite a lot from, from just from what I picked up on social media and, and things like or at least mm. there's a strong presence of illustration in, in the project you seem to work on well, yeah, that's true. Um, I think I do do I do do a lot of graphic design, like kind of some of the boring stuff, like layout stuff. I do a lot of branding, which I love doing. But there is always it's always quite bold and colourful and very very sort of bold graphics and shapes that I always just see as like it's like a very sort of basic illustration style, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I've definitely done that more. Now I've been freelancing because I guess when when you're in an agency you can't really you do you have to kind of you can you can express yourself in your own way but you don't want to you don't want to have one designer who's just like that's definitely that person's work and like you, you don't you don't want to stick out too much I don't think mm. that's what you have to kind of do be a bit of a jack of all trades in an agency a little bit maybe I'm wrong now because I've not worked in an agency for three years but I think that. I was kind of doing the illustration in agencies I was working with, but then doing all the other graphic design stuff and doing the digital, doing web design and app design and all that kind of stuff. But then when you start working for yourself, I think whether it's consciously or unconsciously, you just seek out projects that you're actually like, oh my God, I love working on stuff like that. And then the more that you do projects like that, the more you attract people who are like that. So I think it's, 
I don't even think it's like a, a consciously made decision that you're like, oh, I'm going to start trying to get more illustration briefs mm-hmm. in. It's just like someone's like, oh, can you do this branding project? And then you happen to put illustration in it. Yes. And then someone sees it and then they're like, oh, would you do illustrations for this? And then you just kind of go, yes, yes, I want to do more of that. So you just, I think that's kind of what I've done. I'd say yeah. like half my work, probably half my work is just purely illustration commissions and half of it's graphic design, mm. sort of branding, print stuff, which... I wouldn't have thought, like, I was totally geared up to become, like, a web designer because I thought that was, like, what you should be. And I think I was always just going along with that because it felt like the thing that you should be doing, everyone should be learning to code mm. and everyone should be learning how to do websites. But I, I, I enjoy it. I find it, I'm, I'm happy to design it, but I also think as well, now I'm also happy to bring in people who do that and do that well and that's what yeah. think and work with them. And I think you get a better project, mm-hmm. a better product at the end because of it. I think so. I think if you're mindful of, of, of where I've been calling someone else said this, but I've been calling it circle of competence recently. Circle of competence? Yeah, which is quite an interesting concept, and they basically described it as it's fine to be experimental and to go way out of your comfort zone and all that stuff, but ultimately it's good to kind of know where, where the end of that is. And when it, like what you said, when it was good yeah. to bring in that specialist, or it's good to bring in that person who is damn good at that and that's their thing, you know? It's kind of. Um, they were basically making the point that it's, it's less stressful for you. Yes. You know, because then you're not just trying to do a million things and not knowing where you are anymore. Um, you know, you can really hone in on those things, but you know, it's not to say that you shouldn't go and roam and try things out. But ultimately, yeah. it's like I was saying earlier about the clumsy thing, it's knowing where maybe I'm going too far here and I should collaborate. Or I think when you're not enjoying it, that's a massive like red flag, isn't it? You know, like if you've kind of found yourself in a position where you're just like, oh yeah, I'll just put together a quick WordPress website for someone. I've never been in this situation, but I, I like, you know, heard of people just like, I'm, I'm just going to say I could do a website and just do something on a WordPress theme and then you're spending like most of that budget then just trying to figure out how to get it mm-hmm. looking right. Like I would just not put myself in a position. I would just be like, I'm just going to offer that to somebody else because yeah. like it's, I'm not going to enjoy yeah. that. It's going to be stressful. I don't, I'm going to worry about the quality of it. Because yeah. I'm not a web developer, why do that? Yes. Yeah. Risk, I, yeah, I don't want that confrontation. Well, it's true, <laughs> with isn't it? A client and, as well. and if there's one good thing about the deep end, it's that you, you do get those moments and it's really good to pay attention to them because otherwise that's when you end up on this, like you said, like, like attracts like. So you can end up, if you go the wrong way with that, it can be quite destructive and you can end up getting sucked into this kind of portal of yeah. irrita- you know, irritating jobs. And, and actually, it's very easy to forget that that's not your fault and it's not that you don't like the, that creative role but it can make you feel that way if you get stuck in a ch- you know in a loop of, of negative experiences suddenly you can start questioning the industry and your love of creativity you know have you ever found that you've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole have you ever kind of gone off a tangent have you always just because you seem like you seem like you've just always been enthusiastic about drawing and you weren't quite so sure what how that manifests itself but you've just gone and that's what I like doing and that's what I'm just going to keep doing yeah. you seem like very true to your style yeah I've always placed great really? value on it yeah and, that, and that's why I, that's why I've taken the longer road I always knew that there was going to be a few quiet years in terms of earnings yeah. but I was happy to take those and, and reject right. some of them not reject because I've, I, it took me a long time to start saying no but to kind of position myself and build my portfolio according to what I felt I wanted to be and what I wanted to do you know like, the, yeah. like I said the looseness the rawness once I hit upon that there was no going back so I fell in love with it so I was like it has to be that and I can't pander to clients who aren't willing to bring me in for that right and if I do that's when I start 
you know, doing those jobs and someone else sees it and goes, ah. Oh. So I never put that stuff in my portfolio. Early on, I did, you know, I did a lot of, sort of banal stuff that was what it was for financial magazines or whatever and there wasn't yeah. a lot of scope for creativity. And it paid well, but I could have chased that money and got put more of that in my portfolio, but I knew that very quickly I would become disillusioned with it because it wasn't why I did this, you know? So do you find that you kind of do take on some jobs that maybe aren't aligned with kind of your vision for what you're doing? Just to get us kind of like bringing in, you know, a steady income. But you, the work that you show, you make sure that's kind of consistent to what you want yeah. to do. Yeah, that that was very much the sort of first three quarters of where to where I am now. Yeah. This last quarter or so, I've become really quite strong-minded in knocking back stuff that I feel doesn't fit that remit. And every time I feel like I'm taking a big gamble and crap myself when I say no, thinking, oh my god, what if nothing, what, what if nothing else comes in to make up for that money, you know? Um, but it hasn't backfired just yet so I'm like okay I'm feeling really good now the pool of work all feels like it's work that should be for me which is a yeah. really nice place to be but yeah early on I did yeah did plenty of the, the dark portfolio stuff is what I call it now even like the of coolest course. of cool agencies have to do like you know oh god yeah stuff that like they wouldn't they wouldn't put out there I find it interesting that you know when you student you probably get this as well like students email you questions and ask you like about like yeah. how you got to where you are and stuff like that and I think that something that is like a big question for students is asking about like what do you put in your portfolio when you go into agencies mm-hmm. and I was actually answering one just before I came here about you know should there be a 50-50 split between print and digital work and it's kind of like it's really hard to say because what you put in your portfolio is kind of what you will end up doing so it's like yeah. if, if you've got no interest in print and you just want to be a digital designer then it's obviously by all means explore that work at yeah. uni and do that but probably maybe don't put it in your portfolio but if you're not sure then yeah just put a mixture a healthy mixture in if you just want to do print then obviously just put print in it's i think you're right i think ultimately it's put something that you care about because it yeah. comes across and also i don't know if i, I don't know maybe i'm I've never really worked in an agency environment, so I'm not the best qualified to say, but I always think, should there be such a line between print and digital? Because ultimately, if it's good design and you understand the tools for both, then does it does it need to be that, yeah. that exclusive to each other? I agree. I think you can... I think you can... Obviously, they're different. I think they need... You need to learn how to design differently for screen than you would for print, but fundamentally, I think that's like the same design thinking applies. That same, mm-hmm. you need to, I guess, with, with students, going off on a tangent here, but with students, <laughs> I think what you want to see is how, what is their approach to solving design related problems. That's it. That's what, the stuff that you can't necessarily angle. teach quick, whereas yeah. you probably, if you were an agency and they had that in abundance, you could probably go, well, actually, it's going to take X amount of time to train them up and just yeah. tweak that bit that they might be lacking, I suppose. but it's going to be much harder to train someone to think in a certain way or to, you know, to be creative, so to speak. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, I feel I feel so, I feel like it must be really hard for students because I think that, like, was Pinterest a thing when I was at uni? I think it was, but I don't think it was, like, well, they had things like design inspiration and things when I was at uni. So you kind of, like, had a start, that starting of, like, looking online for inspiration, but I still very much went to books and... Yeah. A lot of the time they weren't design books, they were like theatre set books or they'd be some photography or they'd be something else. Whereas now I think like they just you just go online and you just hit in the face with this is super polished work and I think that that's like a lot of the questions that we get through are like very focused on like having these very polished pieces that represent certain sectors of like yeah. this is a really polished website, I can obviously I could do digital, or there's a really polished print piece, I can obviously do print, here's a really polished brand. 
but really what you want to see is how someone even if it's a bit like rough around the edges you know yeah. the work if the design thinking is there then I think there's something that you can kind of build on and work with it's totally right I, I, I did um for the first time I did some judging on DNAD New Blood Awards last year, oh, yeah. which is a really exciting experience. And I was very quick to, sh- to not shoot down, but but to apprehend anybody who was being too harsh on the on the finesse of it for that reason, because oh, really? they're learning, they're training to that end, they're only going to get better. Whereas actually, if it was a wicked idea and, and they showed the thinking that, they, you know, they knew how it might come to be and they... they you know, mocked up the context and how it was going to... For me, I was like, okay, I'm more willing to, to reward the idea than punish the, the execution at this stage because... And we, yeah. were, we, were, we were encouraged in the same way by DNAD. They were very mindful of the fact that not everyone's the finished article and very few people are going to be at that time in their careers. Yeah, it'd be a bit alarming if they were, really, because you've not really had the yeah. experience of getting things professionally printed. Not really. I mean, I used to just print everything off on, like... They just used to have these, like two A3 printers in our studio or you'd just photocopy stuff most of the time at uni so it would never look polished Yeah. and everything was spray mounted as well and you'd be like spray mounting it on like <laughs> yeah. a carpet in your student room and then you'd be taking it in and you'd have like hair stuck through it like fucking <laughs> custard cream crumbs and you'd be like oh my god like a proper binge custard, custard cream crumbs cream, I love that I was a proper binge for custard creams like late night working I'm like I won't have any tea I'll just eat a pack of custard creams and drink about 12 cups of tea to get me through this project brilliant but I like I like that, um, and it seems like it's come up naturally now in the world we're talking about that that idea of winging it that you, you said on um, to making it not making, making it up as you go along. It's not though, is it? it it's kind of it, I think it is to a degree in terms of what we were saying, like finding out as you go along in terms of yeah. you the way you want to look, the direction you want to go. There's no one goes right. I'm going there, and then goes right through in one big smooth path. You might okay, you might get the odd person. I'm sure there'll be someone who'll go. Well, I have, but. Yeah. Probably is. Probably, but, but yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I think um, a lot of it is working out as you go along, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's. Uh, I think as long as, like, as long as you're professional and you admit when you when you know you're not going to go and do something that you've never even done. Or yeah, I think there is a line. I think there is there's there's winging it, but I think secretly when you you say you're winging it, you've got like this like a small little tiny bit of confidence deep down somewhere that you know you'll deliver it. Yes. But there are times when you're just like, if you know that that is well beyond what you could deliver. Yeah. You know, like if someone came to me and was like, I want you to, I don't know, do the opening ceremony for the Olympics, I'd just be like, yeah, that's probably way beyond. Uh, yes. My 100%. I'd be like, right, okay, where's the budget? Who's my team? Like, yeah. yeah. It'd be like, yes. I'd consider that for sure. I wouldn't just be like, oh, no way. I'd be thinking about it. But I think, you know, most of the time, like, if, I think it... That wing unit especially is like really important if you think about personal projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were talking about, you know, um, what you did with Express and stuff. It's like you kind of, if you've got the purpose and you've got the reason and you've got like that kind of passion, then you winging it is, that's kind of the only way you can do it really. Because yeah. you've never done it before, but you're really passionate and want to do it and you've got purpose. You just have to... Yeah, just just do it. Yeah, and it's it's just that classic creative modesty in it. I see it all the time, and I'm guilty of it a lot. Is is that thing of, oh, you know, someone will compliment you, and you go, oh, I, I don't know, really. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing, I, I'm just doing something. It's like everyone's just very reluctant. Exactly, <laughs> everyone's just doing something. But it's like, no, hang on a minute, you are very good at this. And I remember calling up an old uni tutor, panicking when I, I got a job for next doing some murals sort of like their kids' shoes. I had to do my my 
oh, illustrative okay. style. Really nice one, but like the you know the dimensions they gave me, and they wanted it at three hundred DPI. I was like, oh my god, that's massive. I've never worked large scale, but oh, right. but that was an instance where I was like, I can work this out. It's, yeah, I can. I'm panicking now, but I essentially they still want my illustrative style, so it's more of a technical hurdle to overcome that I can learn. And so yeah. I was straight on the phone to Mel Chiu going. Uh, like you know what sort of system would I need to, to make A make this file work but B also get it to print at that scale and deliver the files and things you know like little things like well shit it's bigger than we transfer and I'm too skint to pay for the professional ones so. <laughs> <laughs> things like that you know like and I send it I'm going to send special delivery a USB pen with them on and things like that but really but no one's going to shoot you down for that as long as you're I think I think as long as you're honest and you consult the people who do know then you learn don't you yeah I think that's the thing is if you do agree to do something like that and then you're kind of like, oh my God, what have I taken on? You just have to reach out, don't you, and start asking people. Otherwise, if you kind of sit on it and sit on it and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up, you might end up in a stick... That's when you end up in a sticky situation. Yes. And I think there's a way of kind of... There's kind of a way of being honest with clients without sort of being like, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing, but hire me anyway. You can kind of be like, okay, so I've never done this before. But I have done this, and I've worked with this person who's done this and this, and so I think that this is achievable, mm. but we'll just need to negotiate a few things and, and figure a few things out. Yes. But So then at least they know that you're not just walking in, you're just like, I'm amazing, I can do anything, yeah, I've done that world. <laughs> that's just lying. <laughs> and yeah. then that's not like, yeah, it's kind of getting that fine balance. I'm kind of going off topic there, because kind of moving away from that. But That's modesty thing. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Express, but this is obviously I don't want to talk about my stuff. Let's talk about women in print. Would that would it be fair to say that from the outside looking in as someone new to freelancing, there must have been fear there for you in that respect. There must have been things in terms of that whole putting in an exhibition, um, getting the right people on board for the project. There must have been fears there to that degree. Yeah, definitely. You want to do. You've never done anything like that before, and. And then you, you want to do it well and, you know, it's going to be judged by people who you work with and, you you know, you want to do right by the people you get involved in as well. You know, if you've asked people to create a piece of work, you don't then want to do like a really crappy exhibition and they're just like, why did I submit work to this? And I think as well with Women in Print, it's kind of like getting, you know, again, like with, you know, Express, it's like getting the angle right as well because it's, um, you know, because it's a topic around equality and stuff you want to make sure that you're getting representation yes. right and you want to get in all that balance and you want to make sure you've taken into account other people's voices um but again if you you know that's something i'm interested in it's something i'm passionate about it's something that i read up a lot on and have done for years because i'm interested in it so i have that kind of quite confidence that i have a good enough knowledge and if there are gaps where you know i think actually i don't know how to word this I don't know if this is appropriate I don't know if this is right then consulting the right people that was really important just being like what do you think of this do you think this is the right way would, would you approach this how would you react if I did it this way mm -hmm. and stuff and just just asking for people's opinion and kind of not being too arrogant to think that I just know best completely and just yeah disregarding anyone else's opinion and then that's been a big thing like getting other people's feedback on stuff Print has been really I would say it's critical, cool. and that just that goes for a, a, a much broader range as well. I mean, it, that for me, that core focus group has been critical, and it's always changed. The people who are in it will always be different that I'll, ask, that I'll turn to, 
but it's real. It's a real luxury to have people in my circle that I, can, I know I can get honesty from and I can turn to and I can, and, and just give a different slant on things. And I think to your point, it's really really important to not be afraid to ask. And, yeah. and it's the same as you know shirking away from criticism. Like it's, it's the, one of the worst things you can do because you you bypass months, even years, sometimes of experience by just asking and being honest and, and going to people. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard. I think we have, I think like we have an education system where criticism, if you're criticised, it's it's like seen as an automatic failure rather. Criticism seen as a negative thing rather than a positive thing that can kind of help you improve what you're doing it's seen as something where it's like oh my god I'm really getting this wrong and I think that we have this massive hang up culture around like getting things wrong and being frightened of getting things wrong mm-hmm. and that's a lot of the time that's the reason why people don't start things it's quite funny because just today I so I'm doing I do aerial hoop I've told you about this before I do aerial hoop I'm yeah. doing a performance tomorrow and um, for the first time in front of people and my sister's a, a dancer and she's a choreographer and I was just like, please, will you come and watch me do my routine? Because I know she'll be just honest. I know she'll be like, you're not turning your head, you're not pointing your toes, you're mm-hmm. looking at the floor. And I knew I'd get that honest critique. And, and even though it was like really hard for me yesterday to do my routine in front of her, because I know how good she is, and it was like doing something that I'm not used to doing, because usually I'm sat behind a desk doing whatever. I was like, I could have just sat on it and just done it on Saturday and not got that feedback. But just opening myself up to that sort of critique it, well she wasn't too critical but like opening up myself so that she could give me feedback like I think that's going to have actually made me perf- will make me perform better tomorrow night which would <laughs> and also it's just like oh yeah I haven't thought of that that's a really good idea and yeah I didn't think about it that way yeah, and, yeah I can do and it'll make for a better performance ultimately yeah. it's the same with it's the same with women in print it's the same with any kind of creative project but you do don't you because anything that you have to invest time and energy into over over any period of time ultimately you end up you end up um what's the word you overthink it don't you? you you spend too much time very close to it so it can be just be a flash five second look at it that someone else gets that hasn't been spending that time with it and they'll see something yeah. that you would have never seen because you can't see the wood for the trees. And it's so, um, that's why it's so valuable. That's a really good point, actually. That thing about someone who's not been looking at something that you've been looking at for like days, weeks, months, years, even, whatever it is that you're working on. Especially when you work by yourself, like you do, like I do. It, that, that you could have spent like days fretting over. I've done this where I've done like spent days fretting over the ears on a bear and I've just gone, oh my god, these ears look terrible. <laughs> and then like someone's just come in and be like, Oh have you tried maybe we just they just need to be circles and you're like, Yes, yeah. yes they do. Yes, that's all I needed. Yeah. So if only you'd said that three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it's but it's so important to have people that you, like to have that group of people that you can go to and you can trust that they'll not just pat your ego and stuff that they'll give you yeah. an honest answer. Um and it'll be you know, it's it's a, something that you can be productive with after. So it's not just like taking the make or just you know destroying your confidence. It's something that you can actually take away and go right. I can apply that and improve this thing mm-hmm. that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's really um, it's really important. Uh, even even, and I think also it's, it's to that end. You often tend to think, oh, people more experienced, but it's not the case. I've had people from completely outside of our industry who've never done anything design or art related, who've just taken a look and given me like um, maybe the opinion that the everyman's going to have, like you know, like things like a book jacket that's going to cater for a really wide audience and not just designers. The people would look at something I spent hours on and go, "It looks nice, but I don't know what it is." And then I go, yeah. 
oh god I needed them to know what it was because it has to be immediate and it's just something as simple yeah. as a comment like that as well so therefore I think it's good to just keep that, that kind of focus group diverse as well do you not think like family who like I don't know if you're the same but like none of my family really do anything like design I mean my sister's a dancer but my parents are teachers they're um, other members of my family like engineers or mechanics or whatever so no one's really from that background so you will get like a they'll be like oh that's nice but yeah what is it (laughs) do you know what I always kind of think of that I always think that that's like if someone if I can't show it to someone in my family and they not understand why I've done it then kind of am I making just am I making work that's just like for me to understand and just for me like I need to kind of maybe readdress what I'm doing so that like they they get it Luckily, yeah. they all get women in print, which is good. They all understand the angle with that, so maybe I got that right. Yeah. But like, I don't again. Like, I don't know. It's just like a non-family type thing. But I always remember like when I was a teenager, like trying to, you know, when you're, like you're experimenting with your style and all that kind of stuff. I remember one like I wasn't really, I don't really know what I was. I wasn't like an emo kid. I was probably more of an indie kid or something. But I remember just one time just going through phase. I'm like, I'm gonna try and experiment a little bit, being a bit gothy. I'd started listening to like you know some like gothic type bands and stuff, and I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try it. I probably tried it for about a week, and I remember like putting on all black, and I had like really dark makeup on, and I'd spent ages thinking about this kind of look that I thought I'm going to try, and I just went downstairs, and my dad went, "You look like Morticia Adams." <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, this isn't for me. This look." I was like, "That's the kind of feedback I need." I don't need to hear. I don't need someone to be like, "Oh." I think that's going to become my like my top. Like, that's going to be like my beacon analogy now for like for for, for yeah for honest feedback. That's I brilliant. Was like, oh okay, yeah, that's not for me. I did a similar. I had so I got this whole back catalogue of ridiculous ideas, like an alien earring, and a Nike swoosh earring, and a spraying a temporary red mohawk in my hair, going to like this this. Uh, like heavy hard rock club in Bradford that we used to go to and all all sorts of ridiculous things and again I don't know why I was either it was like probably like chav light with a dash of <laughs> with a dash of goth or something I don't know what it was but I never have to still don't know to this day look at me but um but the thing was I once got this massive silver three quarter length and I don't know what this is but Pepsi Max coat Wow. Yeah, I got it from like BHS in Bradford or something and I thought it was the coolest thing and I was like, I that's like 12. 100 quid in urban outfits now. <laughs> <laughs> and these massive feeler high tops and they're marching to Keithley, like the, like the most working class like West Yorkshire town you could find, <laughs> marching in confident as thinking I looked the bollocks and this pisshead on the, on the green with like a can of uh, special brew just took one look at me and went, what are you off lad, Moonbase Alpha? <laughs> and it just broke me out as a U-turn and just walked all the way back home. You're like, oh God, the shame. <laughs> There you go, honest feedback. <laughs> so, if anyone wants honest feedback, just head to a nice northern working class town and just ask anyone who just happens to be walking around. It might be a member of my family. <laughs> just give you really honest feedback about whatever it is that you're doing. Oh, uh, so where so where are things that were women in print? Did you? How did done a massacre? So that was that's was um, that's been running all year. That finished. Um, sort of November time um, I haven't really kind of shared anything about it since it finished so I've been trying to kind of just think about how I want to kind of sum it up in my own mind because I never really I never anticipated 
you know, from the last time we met and it was the exhibition stuff, I never anticipated how much it would kind of, you know, grow and how much interest there would be. And then when the National Trust said that they were interested in working together in some way and putting on a, their own version of women in print, having me come in and put on a version of women in print about women from Dun & Massey, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I never thought mm. I could kind of, you know, hook into an organisation like that and, and, and do and do something but it's it's been um it's been interesting it's been there's been you know i'm not gonna lie like it's been challenging in some ways because taking something that's very personal to you and then trying to like work within an organization because obviously they've got their own personality and their own brand values and you've got your kind of personality and your values and stuff and trying to figure out how um how they sit alongside each other and it's, it's been really really interesting in that respect trying to kind of um learn about where they want to go as an organisation and how women, what exactly women in print can do to help them because I think that um, something they were interested to do was drawing kind of a different audience, drawing a bit of the Manchester crowd, kind of younger audience so um, something that we we did was um, kind of put the uh, National Trust and Dunham Massey together with the People's History Museum and we took one of the artists, Lucy Ketchin, who did a, a piece of work um, that was on like these lovely stitched banners. She came and did a workshop at the People's History Museum, and I think that was quite unique for Dun & Massey to do that because it was a free event, and it meant that you know, because everyone knows it's cost a bomb to go to the National Trust. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> it's quite expensive, isn't it? You know, and you put it well, on parking yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, your scones and your tea and all that, and you <laughs> entry to the house, and it can be quite an expensive day out. And I think that something I was keen. Um, to uh, I was I was really keen on this idea that some this exhibition has to, that has to be accessible in some way even if it's that you can't if you can't give discounted if you can't give a discounted rate into the house then why can't you take some of the exhibition out of the um, the estate and take it into Manchester so that people can view it who might not have access to Dunham yeah. um, and I think that was that's something that I'm quite proud of that it did because it's I think that's quite a big step. That, um, it might, not, it might not seem like it from the outside, but I think that um, that was quite a big thing, kind of bringing their team down there and then bringing in Lucy and then bringing in the People's History Museum team and then me as well and then coordinating that night. Um, so we just did like an experimental sewing workshop and then we had volunteers from Dun & Massey who were talking about things that were going on there and we were, a lot of the night was kind of based around identity and how identity is rooted in, you know, place you know like where you're from and who your friends are and your family and all that kind of stuff and we were getting to people to kind of explore that within um the sort of the sewing workshop where we were making banners around our our identity um see so yeah, i was really i was really really proud of that and then um we did workshops at dunham massey as well which which were really popular and really interesting and, and something that's been really nice is how a lot of people who came to the workshops at dunham massey um a lot of them weren't from any kind of creative background, they, mm -hmm. but they'd always had an interest. You know, you always chat to people and they've always had, they've always wanted to do something or they've yes. always felt like they, they were interested in it, but they've never, they've gone down a different path career-wise and then they've parked the creativity to one side. And I think what was really nice was seeing people, you know, doing lino printing with like Nell Smith or doing some paper craft with Helen Musselwhite and, and kind of seeing people come to life through it and actually like the standard of work that people were producing and there was one lady who came, I hope she doesn't, I don't know if she'll hear, but I hope she doesn't mind me saying, but she came and she was like, I've never ever done anything creative before. 
I was thinking, I'm sure you have. But mm-hmm. people have that perception, don't they? They don't have a creative job that you've never yeah. done anything creative. And she did the lino printing workshop and um I remember like her putting the the sort of it putting the press down on the paper and then just like, you know, like rubbing it and like tentatively waiting, like taking loads of time and care over it. And then she peeled it back and she was like, Oh my god. That's really bloody good. <laughs> and I was like, it is good. She was like, I am really surprised by how good I am. And I was like, that makes me feel really good that you've, you've yeah. found that. And that you'll, you know, and a lot of people says like afterwards that they would go away and they would probably do this more. And I think that's, yeah. that's been something that's been, been really nice kind of bringing that into um, Dun & Massey, to bringing that to Dun & Massey's audience as well. And for me as well, reaching a different audience with Dun & Massey through Dun & Massey because you know you get a lot of, sort of older um, people coming to the workshops or people with families you know which maybe mm. I wasn't quite targeting in the city centre in the same way so that's been quite interesting f- for me as well. Yeah. yeah it just sounds like a great really great experience for all involved I mean that you know that's and it is some, there is something really endearing actually like you said about reaching people that are outside of our industry and don't consider themselves creative and it's just the best feeling when you see somebody unlock something or realise that there yeah. is some talent there, you know? And it is, it's really special. And I think that, every, every, I totally agree with what you said before, everyone's creative. Everyone has that, that uh, everyone has the capability of doing something creative. I think it's just how well it's nurtured, like how much were you allowed to do it. You know, you were saying yeah. before, you were, always inc- you were always encouraged to do something if you're interested in it, do it. If you lose interest in it, that's fine. Yeah. I my um my mum was very much the same way with me. She's like, if you want to do, you know, if you want to do art, do art. If you want to draw, do draw. If you want to do graphic yeah. design, that's fine. It's just people's perception of it. People, like you said, for some bizarre reason, you go say to a lot of people creativity, and they go, I can't draw to save my life. It's like distilling creativity down to this one. That one end result is crazy when it's in it's in the way we see the world it's the humor that we have it's the way we might make a, a funny comment in a situation it's you know it's all of that it's so it's just so many things and people stop looking at themselves in that way because for a number of reasons like you say lack of encouragement or the flaws in the education system that that maybe are too academic and don't you know they kind of knock the zest out of people who might have been really creative kids but actually yeah pushed them into this thing where they're like, well, I've got to get a job that makes money and just suddenly forget about all the things they enjoy and don't consider any of that stuff. And that's kind of damaging them. Uh, yeah, I think I think the education system is, is, is like partially to blame oh, quite a lot. It, you know, that you can put quite a lot of blame on that kind of squeezing that creativity or pushing, I think, as because we put so much focus, I think, especially on younger children to be tested and you know, to be getting the right grades and, and the, edu- the way that some children are educated, it's very, it's very narrow and it only, ser- it only suits a certain type of brain and if you don't have that type of brain, then you struggle and the problem is is that you could, you, you could be currently right now being absolutely hopeless at maths and science but you're interested in drawing but because the focus is on being good at certain subjects and, and be, or being seen to be good in a certain way that you actually lose your confidence and you not only lose your confidence in how you are studying maths, you know, science and English but you actually lose your confidence in you and everything else you're doing so even if you have got that sort of side interest in, um, you know, maybe it's like building things or um, yeah, electronics or it's drawing but because you're 
because so much is put on those subjects, it kind of destroys your confidence for everything, and then you just kind of think, well, I'm just not good at anything. Well, it does, because at that age, so, God, so, such a small percentage of people have much of an inclination about what they want to do in life, because they haven't been out and lived in the world. You know, they're under a parent's roof, they're in school where everything's kind of hand-fed hand fed to a degree. So how on earth could you know what you want to do because you haven't gone out and done anything yet, you know? I always think it's weird. Do you ever find it weird that, like, I mean, I, I kind of knew I, I wanted to be a graphic designer from being, like, 12 or 13. So I remember my art teacher telling me what what you do. It was like, you, you can make posters and flies and stuff like that. And I was like, great, because that's pretty much all I used to do all the time. Like, I used to go on, like, fake shows and I'd make posters for them and all mm. that kind of stuff. I just loved all that side of it um but most people are like how on earth are you? like you think of the person you were when you were 16 <laughs> how are you supposed <laughs> to know what you want to do with your life at that age yeah like all i wanted to do at that age is just go sit in the park and drink white lightning and like yeah i, could have, I should have been a professional <laughs> some people are very good at that but you know it's, <laughs> i'm just not sure should, uh, how well that. it's gonna earn <laughs> <laughs> She knows. <laughs> she knows. But I, I, I don't know, I kind of, I know a lot of people who haven't got, you don't have a clue, but you mean to, there's all that pressure that you should you should know at that age what you want to do. But this word that keeps coming up is should. That, 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 I'm not idiot, whether it's this conversation that we've had and, and other times, but should, should be doing this, should I be doing that, should I not be doing that, it's like, it's almost like yeah. society has a way of doing that, doesn't it? It's like it should be seen to be doing this sort of shit. But again, there's that seen to be doing something. It's almost like shit. No, no, no. What's it's inside? Always the answers are inside. It's, you know, you mentioned it earlier about feeling good about doing the illustration and that, and characters with crazy faces and that yeah. kind of thing. It's like it sounds like you're someone who places value on that and is mindful of it. Would that be accurate in terms of uh, what 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 you know how you feel about something? What about uh, silly faces? <laughs> <laughs> we can go specific with silly faces, but, <laughs> um, but in terms of enjoying work and how you feel about it. Oh yeah, I think I think the best thing you can do in life is do a job that you enjoy, mm-hmm. like more so than finding finding marrying the, the perfect person. I just think that there's it's so much. I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably probably have an unhealthy relationship with my work if I'm totally honest but it's so much a part of who I am my work that if I wasn't I can't imagine not doing it and Mm. I can't imagine having a job where I'm just like I just want to go in and get this over with and go home because then I'm like what am I living for Mm. and and that's probably really unhealthy I'm not promoting that as maybe the way to be but it's so much a part of who I am and I enjoy doing it and um, again like I'm and, you know, you, you shouldn't have to work. I'm not saying you should work weekends and work twelve hour days, but because I enjoy it, I often find that I do work on the weekends on stuff, or I do get lost in something yeah. genuinely for eight hours, and I don't realise how much time has gone, and I haven't been to the bathroom or eaten anything, and it's like <laughs> just like oh my god, what the hell? And and that, again, that's probably not healthy particularly, but. I think that that's a sign of how much I enjoy doing it because yeah. it's I get completely, I'm completely in my element when I'm working on stuff, and that's not to say there's not days where it's just like you know you're doing stressful like sort of project management stuff, you know, where you're doing like your tax return and your invoices and all that kind of stuff, and that side of things it's stressful, but I, I think I I just think it's the greatest the the greatest gift you can give to yourself. It's just something you enjoy because you have to spend so much time it doing is. it. It is, and, and you know, and it, it, 
seems to me, I mean, I don't know you well enough to comment, but, but with like the women in print and stuff, it's really quite admirable and, it, and there's a certain respect that comes with it. I, mean, I certainly respect you and what you do mm-hmm. because as someone who's also done things like, you know, the Express stuff, we talked yeah. about the calm work, it's like, I do care about it and I do, um, if I believe in something, I will try to, to share that with people and, and, and put that out there. I don't know, there's something, there's just something about not not conforming to, um, to what, I guess what people are going to think or or not being ashamed about, or, you know, basically doing what you, what you enjoy to do, no, no matter what it comes across as, whether it's geeky or sad. Yeah, or, I know where you're coming from with do you that. You know, it's like a yeah. kind of really roundabout way of saying that, but, but it is, speaking of that campaign, it was Stephen Merchant who said that, he said, I can't stand like... Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and all that kind of the fantasy side of things. However, even though I drive past like Odeon and see them all camping out in like wizard outfits and think you sad bastards, you see they're doing it. He said I, I love that they're doing their thing and they're in their clan yeah. and they get and that's you know they're waking up excited about that. And I think if you've got a thing like that, don't ever put it on the back burner because someone else is going to laugh at it. Are you worried about how someone else is going to think about it? Because every time I've ever worn anything like that on my sleeve, it's always open doors, whether it's professionally, personally, or just you know having fun. There is always someone out there who is into your weirdness. Yeah. That is a fact. That's a great quote. It's so true. Because I think you, I think when for me I find that when when you go to uni, or I found when I went to uni, I don't know if it's because like I went to the Cumbria Institute of the Arts, so everyone did. Everyone studying like it was all creative subjects, and nothing else was studied there. It was like drama, music, yeah. film, graphic design, and art and stuff. But like you kind of go through school trying to hide things that you're really into and, and try and be cool and fit in and stuff and then I just felt like when I got to university I was just like oh I can just geek out about things that I just love doing and then I just I just don't care anymore like I really really love local history I always have I, I was always like nine going on 49 like mm. I've always had that kind of old mindset um I've always really been into local history I remember like when I was at uni when I was 19 you know, people usually go off to like Ibiza or whatever, and I decided to go on. I I begged my mum and dad and sister to go on a holiday with me down south, so that we we all bought national trust passes, so that I could go and explore the castles of Henry the Eighth's wives. Wow, that's amazing! Because I just I was just obsessed with the history. That was like a particular at the particular time I was obsessed with that part of history, and then I kind of go off and tend to end up like reading something else, but. And I remember just being like, do not tell, like, you shouldn't tell anyone that that's what you're into. But then I was just like, who cares? Like, it's, there were other people who were interested in that stuff now. And God, yeah. When I was doing the No More Case 3 stuff, I mean, obviously feminism, feminism, I say that word these days. <laughs> you know, you, that's very, it's kind of gone mainstream and you see you see articles every day published around around that kind of theme and around that kind of topic. But when, you know, we were doing the No More Case 3 thing, it was quite a new thing, like, you know, people re-identifying in this country as feminists and speaking out about these things. And there was a lot of... I remember, like, posting, you know, things on Facebook about me doing these, uh, you know, going out into the street, like, going out into St. Anne's Square on a Saturday and asking people to sign my petition and stuff. And people, you know, who I went to school with or people who are friends with Facebook, like, commenting on it saying, why are you doing this? You know, this... Really, really kind of not getting it. And I was just like, well, I'm into it. And I know that there are people out there who are on the same 
wavelength as me and obviously I met through the group and I'm just going to keep doing it because this is what I believe in and even if that goes out of fashion tomorrow I'll still be interested in it and I'll mm-hmm. still have no shame in expressing that opinion because it that's it's a fundamental part of my identity and who I am and what I believe in and I think that you, you have to be true to that you can't mm-hmm. you shouldn't conform to you know other people's whims or you know hold no. that kind of side of you back just because someone else finds it weird or you know doesn't doesn't want to hear about that yeah. so yeah like that's I guess like with women in print that was a great outlet for me for me to do that and, and do it through my work and present myself I guess to our kind of industry as being like this is where my head's at and this is where yeah. I want my work to be and people respect that now, going back now I've kind of remembered where I was trying to go in the first place <laughs> but it is it's, it's that respect and that and, and that awareness of your character whether yeah. it's learned or whether it was always there, I think there's you come across as a person who is not afraid to lead with that. And I think therefore, when you when you're at peace with that, what you're into and who you are, you you do lead with it, and therefore doors open beyond it. You know, it opens the next opportunity. You know, it's almost like who's you know you've got let's say let's say someone's looking to bring someone in a project. Are you going to bring the person in who's really can you know got an identity and written not really not afraid to put that out there or are you going to go with someone who's got a portfolio that's just totally generic because they're trying to do what's thought yeah. is wanted of them i think there's only one answer and it's and people do like to work with people who've got something about them and they've got you know some uh, personality and that doesn't have to be brash it doesn't have to be loud that can be really no. meek and really quiet as well but as long as you you are honest and you and you're not and you find ways to put that out there that work for you yeah then i think you're onto a winner yeah, I think for me, women in print is very much a way. I tackled that in a way I would tackle other things in my real life. I'm not a very confrontational person, unless I was really forced to be. Some guy just was on a Christmas party on the way here, walking out of Piccadilly Station. It was like a massive group of lads, and they were just like, wait, wait, wait. And he just, I'm not even joking, he just butted me so hard I fell into the road on the tramway. joking? I got off, I was just like, fucking hell, what the fuck? And I was. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? My heart was like pounding because I'm not confrontational. I get that too. It's like full on, your head pounding. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? But it's real. I was like (laughs) following him a little bit down the street, like, what the fuck? (laughs) Fuck off. Yeah, And he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just like with a Santa hat on, just walking down the street. I'm like, fuck (laughs) you. Have a nice fucking Christmas. (laughs) I was like, that is so not like a usual but I was just so overcome I just had to be like well, you, you know, but usually I'm quite like if sometimes like I feel like if you know if, if I'm in a situation I always kind of want to if I feel like someone's not quite getting what I'm trying to say or like you know if you know people weren't interested in, in sort of the feminist side of women in print I wanted instead of being really confrontational and aggressive I wanted to do something that people felt like it was approachable and that people could um you know, be a part of and take as much out of it as they felt yeah. comfortable with, but then it, you know, it kind of pushed them enough to kind of take them to that next step. And it's the same with the National Trust as well. Like, you know, t- to some degree, it probably would have been, you know, it would have been amazing to do something really radical in that space and, you know, really like just do something crazy that would just shock people. But it's kind of like, would I have had the same level of engagement as if we just mm-hmm. kind of bring it back in a bit and bring it back to storytelling and that local history angle but also weaving in like really important narratives so like you know one of the stories that like Helen um, Musselwhite made a piece about Henrietta Charteris who was 
um, one of the wives of the Earl, one of the Earls of Stanford, not one of the wives, she was the wife of one of the Earls of Stanford, and her story's never been told at Dunhamassey because she's a bit of a funny character and she's she's she she was his wife but she never lived on the estate, um, and she's kind of always been written off as just having like poor men poor sort of she was ill she was poor health. But then when we started to look into it a bit more, it actually turned out when we were chatting to some of the researchers who work there and some sort of historians, it, it turns out that she had, they either think she was bipolar or that she had um, postnatal depression because a lot of the time she would go through these dips every time she had a child. And when you start to read through a correspondence to her husband, you kind of find this whole other story about a woman who was, you know, living at a time when mental health wasn't discussed, living at a time when women, married women, didn't have any autonomy over you know, where they lived or what they did or how they saw the children and her husband's family felt that the most appropriate thing for her being the way that she was was to pack her off to go live by the sea by herself so she really didn't see her children that much and she mm -hmm. never came back to Dunham and it's quite a sad story and you could have done something, you know, it makes you angry when you hear that, you think, God, that's that's terrible that that's happened to someone and you know that that might still happen still, you know, in the, in the, in the world today but you could have done something really shouty and aggressive but the way that Helen told that story through her piece which was you know everything was cut out of white paper and it was very dreamlike and I just thought that that had a really nice quality to it and it really brought people in mm -hmm. people really wanted to understand why Helen had made this piece in this way and then when you sort of read the text to go with it it kind of it kind of wins you around a bit more than if we'd just been like yes. you should respect women and mental health and you know and, and you should but because we've done it in that way i just felt like it yeah. got more engagement from an audience that maybe you know a general some of the audience who go there will be of generations where you didn't talk about things like you know yeah postnatal depression or depression at all or mental health so you know even if it's just even if you just take a little bit of a thing from it and just think you know reflect on that time and how bad it was for women or anyone at that time suffering from mental health issues even if you just take a moment to reflect on it or if that then makes you go away and do something yourself in your own work then I think that that's an achievement I think so and I think it's I think you've hit the nail on the head and it's a perfect approach because it's when you engage with someone on an emotional level like that and you invite them to come and explore what, yeah. what you've put there in a really beautiful way through Helen's work I think you've got them you've got them you know, you've you've captured them in the heart almost. You know, they they've they're invited to read this story. It's for a very personal treatment of it, and I just think if you're gonna scream, there there are times when it when things have to be screaming in someone's face. Of yeah. course, there are. There's always a there's you know there's a time for that, but I think I think by being very uh, sensitive to what this needs to be, I I think you really nailed it. I, I honestly do, and there's no it's no surprise to me that I saw so much conversation around it and people really kind of engaging with the the project as a whole. You know. And and it, and it's just it's just it's just smart. It's different. It would be very, it's very easy to kind of go down the extreme approach with anything. But I think a lot of shock value things have a very a very limited time frame. Yeah, they might grab yeah. you in that instant and they might open your eyes. But it it also gets people's backs up in a way, and it, and, it, and I think it also eliminates a certain swath of people. Whereas I think it's refreshing to see someone dealing with an issue that needs shouting about, but in a very sensitive manner. It depends what your long term goal is, I guess, because I think. Um you know, when I think back to stuff we did with No More Page 3, there were elements of that that were really shouting needed to be, you know, like going and saying on square and saying, sign this, like, yeah. let me tell you about this, and being very, you know, 
not in people's faces, but you know, being confident and and, and the nature of the very up. thing is crass and in people's faces, isn't it? It's page three. It's a pair of tits on a newspaper. It's so like it, it's like fire with fire. <laughs> I think you have to. I think that's how you have to. It's a very brash kind of laddish thing, and I think that has to be trapped accordingly, like you say. So it's the brief, isn't it? But then there were elements of being involved in that where we did more art based things and we did more sort of strip back stuff and that's where you were kind of that's where I felt like it was interesting because you actually really got to understand people's points of view um I remember like we we did like a trail where you could you know you could go and find um learn about different women in from Manchester and we had a table at the final stop where we were getting people to sign um, a petition. Some people went and did the like the egg hunt, and um, other people didn't. Other people just saw the table, and but they would kind of come over and you would have a discussion about it, and it was a lot more like laid back. And I felt like I learned a lot more from those moments than the moments where you're being really hot headed. But there mm-hmm. are times when that's appropriate. But I I think that if you want to, if your long term goal is to get an understanding of okay, so why do you think we should have page three? Because that was something that was quite interesting. Is when they were like, why do you want to get rid of it? I'm like, why do you want it? And what are your reasons for keeping it? Yeah. And then when you throw that back at someone, they're like, well, I'm not that bothered. And you're like, well, you know, or they're like, well, because actually, because why shouldn't... And then it's interesting, it starts a debate, and I think I find that a lot more interesting. Yeah. And you can do a lot more with that. So that's always kind of my... That's what I always have in the back of my mind, like, what do I actually kind of want to take out of this? Do I actually want to... I want to kind of understand where people... What other people are thinking. And I'm not afraid to... Um, chat to people who have opposite opinions from me and, and, and try and understand where they're coming from. I might not always understand it, but I'll I love it. I, give I, it a go. I, I, love, <laughs> I love the bits and I love and I like being proven wrong sometimes because I'm learning and I'm being taught. If I'm proven wrong, then I have to listen to, to what I've been proven wrong on. You know, it's like I just wish that everyone could kind of come to the table and have these conversations because we might be in a better place as a country and as a world if, if more people were prepared to meet in the middle and understand one another. You know, I think there's so much yeah. of. I mean, and don't get me wrong. At the far end of each, that that you do get people who are just you know insufferable in their in their way. But I think for the most part, people think like they think for a reason, and 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 can be you know if you approach them in the right manner, they can people can be willing to learn and kind of change their tune a little bit. Oh yeah, know? definitely. I, yeah, I definitely think so. It's just about being open and willing to have that conversation. Yeah. And. You know, kind of just going back to creative projects. I think creativity is a great place to start that because very much so. You, it, it's a very open and expressive sort of play field, isn't it? You can kind of, you know, if you can get someone to come along to a workshop and do a task like, you know, sewing, experimental sewing or lino printing, and then it's the kind of conversations that I have around the table. I think that that can be, that can always lead to really interesting discussions and yeah. really interesting debates, and that's something that I think that the arts do allow people to do because you can you know you don't I don't feel like people walk into like one of Nell's lino print workshops or you know one of Lucy's sewing workshops thinking that they're not gonna fit in it's not got that same kind of you know like if you walk into a university lecture theatre and you automatically think well I don't have a master's or I'm not like (laughs) like you know and you're kind of immediately intimidated by by things and I think that that's kind of why I kind of like doing workshops and things. I always think that people don't go there thinking that 
you know, they're not kind of nervous. They're kind mm-hmm. of just happy to just go and just, there's no like right or wrong yeah. answer. They're just going to sit there and do something and they can join in the conversation if they want to or they can't. And I always find that that's been a really interesting thing to do through women in print. Yeah. In terms of what an adventure. What an adventure. Um, I mean, it feels like, again, I always just as the outside looking in, but it's just, yeah, quite, quite, quite in awe of it. I think you've uh, done an amazing oh, thing. Thank you. No. It's gone on for ages. I can't believe it's been like over two, two, like two and a half years now. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. And what was the and, uh, and what was the thing you got in stylist? Was it was it Woman of the Week? Oh yeah. That was stylist. so cool. <laughs> that was so cool. I was like, ah, interview there. <laughs> it was brilliant. Oh yeah, that was really good. That must have been a great buzz. Do you know what? It was really funny because I did a phone interview for that, and I was like, um, you know, you know, like I just liked it conversational chat with you well I was the same with the girl and I kind of forgot that I was being interviewed really because it was just a phone conversation so I didn't have to say some shit and then I was just like oh my god that might get published and I was like really I actually the night before I knew it was going to come out because I hadn't I'd just seen it I can't remember if I'd seen it I think she was going to say something. I remember getting really nervous I was like oh my god I can't even remember what I said what I said something totally outrageous that offends everyone oh my god I do you know what I, I got rinsed once like that did you yeah this was not to do with that this was like I was working at Preston City Council as a recycling officer that was like the last full time job I did before doing this pretty much and um, I was in the office on my own one day which rarely happens there's usually like eight people in there so there's always at least two or three Phone rings and there's only me in there, so I answered it and it's like I'm like half asleep, two p.m. one Tuesday afternoon or something, and it's somebody from Lancashire County. Uh, sorry, Lancashire Evening Post. I didn't know oh, yeah. that they were like they were always out to get Preston City Council for whatever reason. There's a bit of a spat, so I answer the phone and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, what are you doing? Like, are you, are you happy to answer a few questions about like this that, and that? I was like, yeah, fire away. Like, didn't know you. It's always meant to go through the department manager, so Ooh. she's just asking these seemingly innocent questions, like, and she said. Are there any particular demographics who are bad, like on the recycling front or anything? And I'm like, Demo- and I, I was like, demographics, no. Um, and like being really naive and innocent, I was like, well, you know, you might. There's a lot of like Ch- uh, Chinese students come to UCLan, uh, for example, like, and and they've probably got a different recycling system in their country, so naturally they, you know, they might struggle a little bit. And and the, the next day, the manager walks in and opens this double page spread and chucks it down on my desk and goes, oh, "Who've you been talking to?" And I looked, double page spread, big pull, no. big pull quote. It went, "Chinese are particularly bad," and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't say that." And he's like, "What do you think they do? They're journalists are out to get us." And I'm no. like, "Oh no!" And it, and when you read it, it was just the comments I said, but the headline was like, "Bang!" Like recycling officer slams Chinese students, and then underneath another quote, it just went, "Things are not squashed down properly." <laughs> And I just oh looked at it, God, and I was like, I got a laugh out of it, but I thought, shit, like, I'm glad this isn't me as an illustrator or whatever, just oh like kicking God. off about Chinese students. I'm like, I never, well, I never said that, I just said, for example, it could be someone from another country who's got a different recycling system, but you have got to be careful. Oh was that in, did that happen in the days of Twitter? Or was it... No, thankfully, this is, God, like, this is well before. Because they retweeted, and that's, oh. I think that's the danger now, that's something that, like, you get paranoid about, isn't it? Because I get quite, like... I can't, when I, like, if I do, I do the same when I answer student questions or anything, like, kind of press related. I'll start off professionally, and then as I get into it, I'm just like, and then I always just think, like, oh my god, it's not just like once that news newspaper goes out of cycle that that's it, it's forgotten. It's like it's on the internet, oh, forever, yeah, and that's the retweeting thing. it forever. Yeah. And I'm always, I always think, like, one day I'm gonna do something, I'll say something. <laughs> It gets retweeted, so I just keep my tweets really, really, really like boring. <laughs> really, 
really just like, the just talking about my neighbour's cats and just <laughs> nothing, nothing interesting, nothing controversial at all. <laughs> just keep it bland. <laughs> keep it safe. Oh my god! So I got asked you about the t-shirt. I loved it. Oh, um, yeah. How's it going? And, and, it's going and good. Yeah, so it's getting made. And then my writing thinking it is that's the, the Everpress because I because I know if I've got if I'm on the right one, I think it's Alex who, who's part of the people who run it. And is it the one where you have to have a certain amount of pledges yeah. before it actually gets made? Yeah, yeah. It was I've never done anything like that before. Have you done anything like that? Uh, no, I didn't do it. I was talked about doing it, and I probably will probably do it now. Having been reminded of it through your oh, t-shirt, right, I yeah. might get in touch and uh, and get a design and try and do that. But well, they got in touch, and I'd never. I mean. I don't know why. I don't. Ha- I don't really make anything or sell anything. I feel like I should, and I want to. Eventually. I don't either, and I don't really know why. <laughs> I think it's just because I've always, you know, like you just get any, you just get on a certain path, don't you? Because I'm just yeah. like, I'm like I'm a graphic designer. I do commercial work, and whatever. But then I, it's something that I've been interested in exploring, exploring. But you know, you just have to sit down, and find the time to think about what you're trying to do, and it's quite daunting, really. So, and I'm always, I'm one of these people who, I have to be given a deadline to do something, and I think that it, um, I think it was Nikki got in touch and just said, you know, are you interested in doing a t-shirt? And I was like, mm, never really thought about that before. And then he explained how it works and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, you only have to, they print it, make it and distribute it. So you just design it. And then obviously they take um, take a certain amount, but you know, you still make a good uh, good profit on it. And uh, he just said, all that you have to do is you just have to make sure you get X amount of sales and then you can, um, it will go into production. If it doesn't make that, then everyone who's ordered will just have it refunded. It's a bit like, you know, like a Kickstarter yeah. type thing a little yeah. bit. Um, so I was just like, right, okay, I'm like, what can I put on a t-shirt? And then I'm just like a, I'm just a massive sucker for puns. So I tend to, my brain tends to just work like this. I'm like, okay, I've got a t-shirt design. T-shirt, tea. What rhymes with tea? Positivity. Ooh, I'll draw a happy face and it'll be a positivity. Yeah, <laughs> done. <laughs> that's literally like the thought. But I love that simplicity <laughs> and it's just a really endearing, very simple design and I love t-shirts like that. So that's, I think, I loved it. I don't have like, yeah, I think a lot of my work's like that. There's no like massive, like in-depth concepts. Hey, but it makes so you it, happy. It's just very <laughs> literal, just a bit, yeah, a bit fun. And then someone, someone messaged me saying like, oh, you should do negativity. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. That is a really good idea. So I might, yeah. I might think about doing that in the new year. Actually, I might do a negativity as well for those Saturdays, <laughs> <laughs> grumpy days. Brilliant. So is that going to be? Is that now just going to go to the people who bought it, or is it going to be a white? Is it going to be available beyond that? No, that's so. The interesting thing with that is they just run them as campaigns. So then, uh, you, it, once that's done, it's done. Um, which is kind of, I find that kind of interesting actually, because I guess it's, um, it's kind of you know you feel it. I would come a bit of a geek. I'd be like, "Oh, I've got loads of t-shirts." Like, I don't know if you like. Limited edition. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I'm, do you know what I'm like? I think was it Society Six who used to do stuff like that. Like, I've got like loads of like t-shirts that now like I refuse to like go off because they don't make them anymore. It was just like a designer just yeah. did one of them about five years ago, and like I absolutely refuse to let go of my Thrill Murray t-shirt I can't remember who designed it, but you would I can't find it anywhere else. And I had another one that I had a Beyonce t-shirt. Um, that was just like ruined. I was just hanging onto it, you know, and it just gets like totally minging. But I was yeah. like, I can't get this because the designer stopped making them because it was just like a small independent, <laughs> like Ill- like illustrator who'd done it. And I was like, I'll never find it, so I can't let it go. I've actually like had to just use it as a rag because I just refused to <laughs> let it go. Yeah, it does so get now that way. as a cleaning rag. <laughs> yeah, so that that's that that was that one's kind of gone. But I think I'm, I will kind of pick up and maybe do like the negativity, and then if anyone else has got any suggestions. 
Anything else that rhymes with T, <laughs> just let me know. I might do another one. Brilliant. But and, it's, it's uh, good. It's that, good. How are you feeling moving forward? Still excited about things? Still loving it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I have no regrets about working for myself. I mean, imagine you mm. feel the same. Oh, yeah. I've never met anyone who's gone, I started working for myself and I really regretted it. <laughs> there probably no. is people out there who that happened to, but I just I find it generally... It's a big challenge and it's certainly got its ups and downs, but for the most part, I, I really can't imagine doing it any other way now and I, and, I, and I kind of shudder at the thought of being under someone else's steer. Yeah. I think, I think we're probably quite similar in the sense that we're very... You know, we, we know what we like, we know how we want to work, and it's it's not that you can't take direction necessarily, it's just that you, you want to go in the direction you want to go in, and I yeah. think that if you had a boss again, it, it kind of, you know, it kind of neutralises what it is that you're doing a bit. Um, I think so, and I just think the structure, I'm very, um, especially recently, I'm very, I'm very much going with what I'm feeling when, you know between projects and now so no to a lot more projects now so that flexibility yeah. is absolutely crucial especially doing this show as well as a full-time illustration career and I'm trying to fiction writing now it's like I have so many different things that there's no way I could kind of tend to all those whilst in employment I don't think. So. Do you know, I think that's the great thing like when you work for yourself that if you there's no kind of there's no end in sight which is kind of nice because you can always go off on a different avenue like you know I, I kind of been doing bits of writing on the side I've never like shared anything or anything or, you know I've not put anything out there yet because it, it's not at the moment it's just like a fun thing that I'm doing I'm just trying to get my head around mm-hmm. you know because I used to love writing when I was young and I'm doing little bits like that as well but it's like I can make time in my day to do that yeah and you, whereas you know when you when you're in a very structured agency job I found it very I would well. I would probably just come home and then just work really, really late doing stuff like that and then tie yourself out. And I think that yeah. I think when I was younger, I said younger, I'm only twenty nine. <laughs> I was a worker snapper. Um, yeah, I think when you when I was younger, I could kind of you know I could do that whole late nights and then get up early. But I, I just find more and more that I just can't do that anymore. So I, no. I find that I'm a lot more. I'm trying to be a lot better at. Okay, if, I, if that's something I'm interested in doing. Then I have to make the time in the in the day within the working day to kind of yes, explore that me too. a little bit, and that's something, and that comes as well with being in a position where you can say no to projects because you're like, I'm going to say no to that because I really have made this commitment to focus on this yeah. particular thing, and and I think that that kind of that's the beauty of working for yourself that you can do that. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's all it's all on your shoulders, isn't it, to shape your destiny like, to that degree? So like you said, no is no is a powerful word. Uh, as you get more experience, because otherwise, you, if you just work all out, all hours, then yeah, you earn great. But do you ever progress creatively or for you? It's a fine line. I was chatting to my mum about it the other day. My mum has like an insane work ethic. She's my mum's in her like a mid fifties, and she, she's she works like she worked when she was like in her twenties. Like she'll do twelve hour days, and she'll she just you know, she works she works for herself now. She she just works so 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 hard. But she said sometimes. That that is she's in the zone as well, so she wants to be doing it, and when you're in the zone, then that's fine. But she said there's also you always have to be really careful of learning those times when you're like, is this actually creeping into obsessive? Is this creeping into me not actually looking after myself properly? Is this yes. affecting my relationships? Or like, am I not sleeping because I'm? And I think that that's always like the thing that I'm kind of you know, like I think when you're a creative like that, that you kind of you're always straddling that fence a bit where you kind of be like, I want to allow myself to not work a nine to five and, and maybe work late if that's what works for me on, on that particular project at that particular time 
but also I kind of need to make sure that I have that balance and I'm not tipping over and becoming obsessive and yes. forgetting to pee. Forgetting to wash my hair and stuff like that. Like that's we've we've kind of got to. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, 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 you think, God, oh, yeah, the balance has got to be there, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and that's tricky. Because <laughs> everything feeds everything else, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> so, right, so, <laughs> Shark in the Tank, um, I can't even remember what we said last time because it's going back a while oh, now yeah. since we had you on, but um, I'm going to just ask you about the year freelancing, I guess, because you've been doing it a little while now and it sounds like mm-hmm. things are flowing quite nicely. Give me a love and a hate from working for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Do you know what I said to someone the other day? I the thing I miss about the thing that the, the worst thing I hear about freelancing, apart from having to do tax returns, <laughs> I know a lot of people are just like it's so easy. I'm like it is not easy. <laughs> just I I don't I just I don't know what it is about. It. I just I get off my account and do that stuff. Now. That side of things just like blows my mind. Yeah. I'm always frightened I'm gonna go to jail. I'd be like thinking I'm gonna go to prison. <laughs> I just, it's, it's insane. If you do, we'll do a podcast in the visit. I was afraid of paying my taxes properly. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, that's kind of one. And then another thing, I do kind of, um, I miss the, you know, like the office Christmas party. I was talking about this with someone the other day. I was like, oh, I do kind of miss that, like, feeling leading up towards Christmas when you start doing less and less work and focusing on, um, you know, just focusing on, having a good time and going out and stuff because I always feel like for freelancers everyone's just like manically trying to get everything done in time for Christmas so you can actually yeah. take Christmas off so you actually end up being really intense whereas in when I was in an agency maybe we just had an easy time but you know everything would kind of be winding down nicely and everyone would be in that kind of yeah. frame so I'm, 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 I miss that but in terms of what I love about freelancing it's just what we were saying before about that that freedom mm-hmm. to set your working hours, set your working pattern and the style that you like mm-hmm. to work in. And it, it isn't always easy, but if it's not if it's not working, you've got that flexibility to change it. Yeah. Which you don't, which I, I felt limited with that in the past in yeah. agencies. Yeah. If something wasn't working, if something wasn't the way I, wasn't working for me, I couldn't change it. Mm-hmm. That would be a struggle. Yeah. So I feel like it's a lot more, I find it's a lot more suited Mm-hmm. That kind of personality and things. That's what I love about freelance. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, um, and lastly, where can people find your work? So today. Take a mouthful of brownie. <laughs> 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 you see me like just crumbling around. I was like, I am dying to eat this brownie. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So I guess if you want to, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I've, I'm on Instagram and on Twitter, which is at Boyerjane, B-O-W-Y-E-R-J-A-N-E. Um, and then I've got my website as well, which is massively outdated, so probably just don't go on that. Um, <laughs> that's something that I intend to rectify in the new year. I always say that. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that's been a pleasure as ever. Thank you for your time. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much to Jane Boy for taking the time to come and talk. She's doing a wonderful work at the moment, left, right and centre, so go and have a look. Go and have a look at a wonderful Christie Hospitals project we did recently. Stunning murals. Um, really, really strong stuff. And uh, featured up on Design Week. You can go and have a read about the project there too. They're doing good work in the industry also. Uh, we've got big episodes coming up. We've got all sorts. We've got Dominique Byron coming up, another illustrator. We have... Sean Thomas from um, John's Knowles Ritchie Agency coming up. 
We've got Ben Crick from Collins in the States, from San Francisco, coming in, beaming in for the show. So it's all going on, all going on, exciting stuff. Thank you for the listens. They've been going up again recently. Please do share the show with friends if you're into what we're doing. Go and support the sponsors. Thank you again to those guys. Illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, fileco.co.uk and the wonderful association of illustrators. Thank you, most importantly, for listening and supporting, for tuning in. Have a great week and I'll chat to you all very, very soon. 